Amen. Thanks, team. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Dan Jarvis, one of the pastors here. And today has actually been a Sunday I've not been looking forward to because it's the end of our Proverbs series, which I've been having a lot of fun learning from and teaching about. And I know just from a lot of feedback we've gotten that a lot of you have been engaged with, you know, reading the proverb of the day or receiving the texts or just connecting with one another about the wisdom from God's word that we've been learning. And, uh, and I do want to let you know, you don't actually have to stop reading Proverbs just because we're not doing it churchwide anymore. Um, but today we do have a little bit of a conclusion, okay? maybe even a finale, but we'll get to that in just a moment. I want to take you back all the way to the beginning of the series, week one of the summer, where we opened up chapter one and we read this. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. And we've talked all summer about how a heart that is bent to listen is the heart that will grow wise. And if you're willing, even if you're starting with you know, kind of minimal wisdom by, or maybe minimal knowledge about things, the place to begin is respecting God, fearing God, and starting to see life through that lens, and wisdom will start to grow in your heart you'll start to experience life uh, in a richer way. And really throughout the whole book of Proverbs, we learn about success both on earth and in eternity. And I was thinking about it this month, reading through it, you know, as we've been reading through it different times, sometimes you can read through Proverbs looking for wisdom that meets your need right where you are. So maybe, you know, you need, you need money. So you, you read Proverbs, you go, wow, there's a lot of ideas in there for how I can be more successful. Or maybe you have relationship issues and you read Proverbs and you wow, it seems like every other verse is about how to resolve conflict or how to work well with other people. Proverbs also helps us when it comes to our eternal success and really the fulfillment of God's purpose for our lives. And if you read through the book of Proverbs and look for hints or nudges or pushes toward thinking eternally, you will see that literally in every chapter. So that's what we're going to do today, to lift our eyes up off of the things of this world and think about where God wants us to go long-term. Not like retirement planning long-term, but really long-term. Uh, what is your eternal, not just your destination, but the success that you have in eternity and how it's connected to the wisdom that you learn and live today? Now, I know as one who's in ministry, Pastor Bill knows even more than I do, uh, that funerals are kind of a mixed bag as far as whether they're positive experiences or not. You agree with that? Like sometimes, you, sometimes you're asked to do a funeral and you feel like it is a privilege to do a funeral for someone who's you know, served God faithfully throughout their life. And really the funeral service becomes a celebration of that person and of what God did with them, maybe how God saved them, all the people that they connected with over their lifetime, the, the good work that they did, the family they raised. And sometimes you, you come out of a funeral actually feeling motivated about your life adding up to something, hopefully the way that person's did. Other times, funerals are sad, depressing. I've been asked to do funerals before, sometimes for people I don't know, and then I'll you know, start to dig into their life, ask their family some questions, and realize the person really didn't do anything other than live for themselves. It's really hard to do an inspirational funeral or even to say nice things when 
somebody's life is kind of ending in dark obscurity because they really just lived for the moment. They didn't, there was nothing more. In some ways, people think of a funeral as like a grand finale of their life, which is sad because you're not there for it, right? But I would like to live for a grander finale, something beyond this world. If a funeral, memorial service, I hope that goes well, but for me, I'm less interested in that, and I'm more interested in what happens after I open my eyes, having closed them in death here on earth, opening them in eternity, and then going forward from there, I'm really interested in what happens next, aren't you? So, Proverbs gives us wisdom for that as well, as does the rest of the scripture. Uh, so, so far in our series, and you can go back on our sermon channel and you know, listen to all, the, all this content, although I would encourage you, rather than just listening to what we did in church, just read Proverbs again for yourself, and God will give you all sorts of wisdom and understanding. We've talked about listening, anger, sex, money, work, relationships, conflict, words, faith, fate. We've talked about choices, a variety of other things. And every time you read the book of Proverbs, you're going to get more wisdom for all of those aspects of your life, particularly whatever it is you happen to be facing in that moment. You know, God will give you wisdom for you in that time. But today we're going to have a little bit of a grand finale. We'll talk about it. Not really the grand finale of the book, but your grand finale. And will your finale be grand? Something I've been... I don't know, thinking about, I don't want to say depressed about, but something I have been thinking about lately is how sometimes it seems like life, it just kind of fades away and ends without everything happening that you wish would have happened. Hey, and I think the older you get, maybe the more this is, you're aware of this. I'm feeling it. I'm, I'm probably halfway through an average earthly lifespan right now. I'm 43. Um, I mean, I'm probably a little more than halfway, right? So thinking about, okay, when I was young, you know, I had all sorts of dreams and aspirations and everything seemed possible and there's all sorts of time and all sorts of things to do. You know, some of those boxes have been checked over the last few decades. Some of them haven't. And I think what I'm starting to feel now is I'll look at different things and I'll think, I don't actually think that is going to happen. You know, like, because when you have lots of time, when you're, let's say you're in your teens or your 20s, anything could happen because you've got enough, like, sort of runway to eventually make it happen. But the older you get, the more you start having to reckon with reality that it's not all going to be what you expected. Some things might happen, some things might not. But what could be a little bit depressing is to think about how the further on life's journey you go, the less future possibilities are open in front of you on this earth. Right? So your, your options start to narrow the older you get. And some people just kind of fade. And I think about that from in my own heart. I mean, you can reckon with this when it's some philosophical moment that you have, but think about like that would be a crushing revelation if suddenly you were to realize that the things that you hope were going to be true about you just aren't going to be, that somehow your earthly lifetime has just slipped by and a lot of things never happened. 
rather than some sort of grand finale when it all adds up and everybody says yes, you just kind of disappear and other people take your place. Now, God made us for more than that. But if our perspective is stuck on this earth, that's all that will ever happen for you. Proverbs teaches us that. Unless our purpose and unless our choices transcend this world, ultimately, it all comes to nothing. So I'm really interested in what Proverbs has to say about this because I don't want that to be my life story, and I'm sure that doesn't, you don't want that to be yours. So let's talk about what would make your finale grand. Proverbs 29, verse 23. Pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. The greatest irony of life is that if you try to be great, you won't be. But if in humility you recognize God's purpose for your life and you live in humility, God will honor you. You'll experience greatness, but not through the normal channels that most people think they'll achieve it, wealth or prosperity or fame or something like that. Greatness comes through humility. We've learned this all through Proverbs, right? All summer long, this has kind of been a theme that's undergirding all the other principles because humility is tied to listening, which is tied to wisdom. So looking at that word a little bit more carefully, notice there is a similar root word going on here. Pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. Whatever, whatever that humus is, it's going to happen one way or the other. Either it happens to you, humiliation, or you choose it, that's humility. But it will happen for you. You say, well, what is it? What is the, the hume going on there? Well, in Latin, the word humility is actually the same root word, comes from the same root word as the word human. Um, earth, dirt, of this world. Uh, in Hebrew, it's shafalah, which is low. So you think about here, God is high and exalted and powerful and amazing. And he made us on this earth low, lower than him. Not necessarily low in a derogatory sense, just, it's just the truth. We're of this world. That's why we're called humans. Earth people, dirt people. Thanks to God that you can become more than what you're made of. So that's what I'd like to explore a little bit. First, we're going to go outside of Proverbs, then we'll come back to it. But to understand this principle in fullness and why humility leads to honor in the end, we have to go all the way back to the beginning. So turn to Genesis chapter 2, and I just want to show you where this principle comes from. Genesis 2 God is creating the world, putting, putting together this beautiful garden for people to live in. Then he creates Adam. And we learn in chapter 2, verse 7, how that actually happened. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. So what was Adam made out of? Dirt. Which is the same thing that you're made out of physically. 
right? If you evaluate the properties in your body, all of them are a part of earth, which is why when you die, you go back to earth. So what sets us apart from earth? Well, the next phrase here, he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. So there's the spark. That's what makes things alive. God gave us life and, and in that is our purpose. Our purpose, our, the earth is our place where we, it's our ecosystem. It's what we're made out of, but it's not, it doesn't define us as far as like why we're here. It's more like the platform we're standing on and made out of, but there's something more to you than just earth. Okay? But then you go to chapter 3. After mankind sinned, after Adam and Eve took the forbidden fruit, they walked away from God, they didn't trust God, God had to bring forward now the consequence of them sinning was death. Remember that? And that's how death entered the world for human beings. They literally... The, 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 uh, the opportunity to live forever was taken away. And we see that in chapter 3, verse 19. After God is giving various elements of this consequence to Adam and Eve, he says, by the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until what happens? You return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return which is a phrase that we sometimes say at funerals or burials, but it's not particularly a comforting phrase. It's true, uh, but there's not any hope in that statement, from dust to dust. It's, it's really a statement of recognition that one way or another, we're earth people. And unless God honors us, unless God helps us somehow to transcend just that, that's all we'll ever be. Now, go forward in the Bible all the way to Ephesians and we'll read about what happened that created a new beginning. Because if you read the Bible and you just stop there, you could almost say the beginning and the end are all right there in the first three chapters, like life and now here's death. Is there anything else? Well, thankfully, God didn't give up on his plan to love us, to create us into his people that would live with him forever. He initiated a rescue plan for Adam and Eve and for all of us who follow them, which is described here in chapter 2 of Ephesians. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander, the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united in Christ Jesus. Now look at that verse for a second and tell me where are you seated? As an earth person, God has done something miraculous right there. He's given you a position that is beyond earth. You see that? 
So now your home, your identity is tied to heaven, not just to this, this place. So even though you're made of dirt, you're actually more than that. You're built for something more than that. Verse 7, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things planned for us long ago. The good things that were cut off by sin, the plan that was stalled, that was destroyed by Sad choice that Adam and Eve made to walk away from God. Now God has redeemed them and given all of us an opportunity to be made new, to be born again, and to do the good that we were designed to do. So any hope that we have to transcend our humble state is entirely, entirely related to our relationship with God. It's the only way that you'll go beyond dust to dust. So how do we do it? Well, thankfully, um, there is an answer. If dust is not the grand finale that you are hoping for, God's word, the book of Proverbs, has all sorts of answers for us to chew on, to consider, to apply. So I can't possibly go through all of them. So like I said, this actually shows up in every chapter of Proverbs. As you're reading, you'll see not just making wise decisions on earth, but also the long, long-term future of what that means to live in righteousness and wisdom. So we're just going to look at a few of them to kind of build a case for why we should be thinking about eternity, not just this world. So here's the first one. Proverbs 11:7. When the wicked die, their hopes die with them, for they rely only on their feeble strength. Isn't that interesting? When the wicked die, whatever it is they cared about, whatever it is they loved or hoped for, those hopes just die with them. They don't amount to anything. Chapter 10, verse 7. We have happy memories of the godly, but the name of a wicked person rots away. 13.9. The life of the godly is full of light and joy. The light of the wicked is snuffed out. Each time that you and I make a decision... We're making a decision that trends one way or the other, toward God or away from God, toward righteousness or toward wickedness, towards good or towards evil. Now, Proverbs has lots of things to say about how we behave. You, you know that as we've walked through this whole series. Here's what 1017 says. People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life. But those who ignore correction will go astray. I was thinking about how discipline being kind of the choice to override our sin nature. To, you know, like you think if, if you just do whatever feels good, you go out there and act like an animal and die like an animal, and there's really no purpose to life. The thing that makes you different from that is when you choose a different path, a, a higher path. I think discipline, most of it in our lives is self-discipline where we have to decide 
to walk that better road, that higher road. And as an aside, whenever someone's willing to help you with that, be it a parent or a teacher or a police officer, you go to them and you say, wow, thank you. Because like if I'm left on my own, I will definitely go astray. I'm glad that someone is helping me stay on the right path, the path toward life. So we're going to look at a couple different aspects of Proverbs here. Some things that will help us just see the, the, the bigger picture. So the first one I'd like you to turn to is in Proverbs 30, the very end of the book. At the beginning, we talked about how Solomon was the author of most of the Proverbs, which is true. But toward the very end, we have a few other wise men kind of chiming in with their wisdom as well. And here in chapter 30, we have the wisdom of Agur. which is all good, but he said something in verses 7 and 8 that I think helps us look beyond this life, beyond success on earth. He said, oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. So in many of the Proverbs, we were learning kind of like pathways to wealth, pathways to prosperity. Those are all true. They're legitimate all throughout the book. But here's someone who's saying, you know, there's a different plane of wisdom. There's, there's the fact that all of that wealth accumulation might not actually help me in the long run. It'll help me in the short run. But I don't want wealth to mess up my eternity, just like I don't want poverty to mess up my attitude toward God. Either way, Lord, I want my life to be oriented toward you first, not toward the things of this life. So that's a little bit of a, of a correction, right, for us that would say, hey, if I live a wise life, things will go well. Well, they, they might, they probably will. That's the path of wisdom. But if all it does is lead you toward earthly success, in the end, you still fail in life. Life with God, instead of making gods in this life, I think is what Agur was after. Like Jesus said, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world, but then lose their soul? So here's another inference toward eternity to look at the bigger picture. Proverbs 31. The virtuous woman that's mentioned there, at the end of this, it says, it says, charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. And we all know as we sort of sail through life that things that are beautiful, people that are beautiful eventually aren't. The things that are beautiful eventually lose their shine, lose their sparkle, and the world goes after the next bigger and better or newer thing. When it comes to our lives, our focus, we're looking at things through a different lens. So Proverbs saying to young men, hey, when you're searching for a wife, don't just fall for the charms of temporary beauty. It won't last. Instead, you look for the woman who fears the Lord, the woman who has also the foundation of wisdom that you have, and together you'll walk through life and discover far more than just 
a temporary beautiful thing, you'll have life and eternity with God together. Seek beauty that lasts. Again, calling us to transcend this world. It's not just about succeeding on earth. It's about something much bigger than that. I'll go back in Proverbs to chapter 4 for a moment. There's so many things today that I wish we could walk through by way of kind of wrapping up the series. But chapter 4 is a chapter we did not read when we went through this earlier this summer. We jumped over it, and it actually speaks to the future, so I want to come back to it today as a challenge for you. Proverbs 4, my children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment, for I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions, for I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child. So you imagine this father conveying wisdom to his son and going, hey, I used to be right where you are. And, and any of you who have kids, you know that, that it's, it's really bizarre to feel like it just happened to you and now it's happening to your kids. Now, they think you're ancient history. They think, wow, man, dad, that's all from, you know, years and years and years ago. But in your living memory, it just feels like it just happened. And now you're going, hold on, I just made that mistake. <laughs> don't make it. Let, let me tell you the wisdom that I learned so that you don't have to fail the same way that I did. So here's this father saying this, and then he refers to grandpa here. He says, well, my father taught me this. Now I want to teach it to you. Verse four, take my words to heart, follow my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do is a great verse, isn't it? Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. Whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. And there it is. If you want the grand finale, if you want your life to add up to something that's more than just earth, seek wisdom, grab it, run for it, love wisdom, pursue it. Wisdom will make you great. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. We say, well, we all want that. But there's more, of course, than just that. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. So many times when we face God's principles in front of us, or, you know, rules in society or parents' rules or something, we think of those as holding us back. Like, wow, here's where I want to go, but oh, man, I've got all these barriers in the way. It's all these rules. But notice this is saying the opposite. It's the wisdom that you get that actually allows you to move forward. Not following all that is where you stumble. That's what holds you back. So verse 14, don't do as the wicked do. Don't follow the path of the evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. 
Don't, don't even bother entertaining the offer of living for yourself, of doing life your own way, of tracking along with what the rest of the crowd is doing. Don't bother with it. Turn away, run away, walk on the road of wisdom instead. For evil people, verse 16, can't sleep until they've done their evil deed for the day. They can't rest until they've caused someone to stumble. They eat the food of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. The way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. You look into the future, is it a conclusion? Is it a growing darkness? Or is your life like the first gleam of dawn? You're only getting started with what God is doing in you. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. They bring life to those who find them and healing for their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So all the voices that are around you, all the influences that are around you, all of the foolishness that's around you, you have to decide to guard your heart, to not let all of that drag you back low, drag you back to this earth. Instead, you're made for more. And so it doesn't matter to me what everybody else is doing or listening to or watching or pursuing because I'm not here just to become a great earth person. I'm here because God has something far more for me to live and experience. Verse 24, avoid all perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech, look straight ahead, fix your eyes on what lies before you, mark out a straight path for your feet, stay on the safe path, don't get sidetracked, keep your feet from doing evil. So we imagine just running through life on purpose, not just to succeed at the mile markers along the way in this life, but going, we're going somewhere, we're running somewhere. That's why we have to stay on the straight and narrow. We have to pursue God and not the things of this world. And so we say, Lord, every day of my life, I want to wake up and pursue wisdom. The older we get, maybe from like at least a statistical perspective, the closer we get to not the finish line exactly, but, but maybe the start of what real life will be for us. So you're thinking about this world, you're thinking about your, your next steps. Maybe some of you are a little bit morbid and you're thinking about your own funeral and you're worried about you know, what song they sing at it and who preaches it. By the way, isn't that kind of a weird thing that happens to Pastor Bill and to me sometimes? And I don't know if any of the rest of you have been in ministry, but when someone says, they kind of like assume you're going to be at their funeral. Like, hey, at my funeral, I want this. I'm like, hey, hold on. Like, I might be dead first. You know, don't just trust me with that information. Make sure to write it down or something. The, uh, but, you know, you're planning ahead. You're thinking about how people remember you. Instead of giving so much focus to that, look up. Recognize your life was built for more than this life, this world. This is the beginning of something amazing this is like, it could be for you, like the first ray of dawn, not a gathering darkness that ends dust to dust. So, how will we prepare for this future? 
this grand finale, got two things for you to think about that relate to humility. First of all, I know who I am, and thus I choose humility. I'm willing to listen to wisdom so that I can transcend vain, vain, earth-onlyness. The world will drag you down and keep you down. And so many of the things that we would look at as amusing or entertaining are really just literally designed to keep us from the path of wisdom. So you have to decide. You have to make the decision. Other people can't do it for you. They can't lead you down the path. They'll try. I mean, maybe the people who love you will try. But at the end of the day, this has to be in your heart. But Lord, I choose humility. I choose to recognize who I am. I'll be honest about that. But at the same time, Lord, I'm looking up to you now to define my purpose. And that's the other side of this. I know who God is, and I'm choosing to trust him and to walk with him in this life and the next. I'm looking forward beyond this world, saying, Lord, I trust you. I recognize the value I have as a human being is not because of my physical strength or intellectual ability, sports ability or inventive ability. Those things are all great. But the value I have is actually because I'm more than just earth. I'm made in your image. I'm made for a purpose. I'm built to last for eternity. And so, Lord, I want to pursue that more than anything else. I'll trust you with my life. I'll trust you that your way is best. Even when everyone else goes a different way, Lord, I'll trust you instead of them. I'll trust you instead of my own heart. And I, Lord, I want to walk with you in this life and the next. Here's Proverbs 15, 24. The path of life leads upward for the wise. They leave the grave behind. Sounds like a grand finale, doesn't it? Just when you think it's over, just when they're lowering you into the grave, that's when things really get started. That's when the joy really begins for the wise. So, the path of life, true life, is upward for the wise. Here's what is so encouraging about that. Just when you start to think about life and go, it is kind of depressing that I'm fading away, that the dreams I used to have didn't happen, or that the people that I used to care about, they're fading away too. Just life, if it's all about this world, it just kind of comes to a very inglorious conclusion. But not for the wise. It's an upward path. The older you get, in theory, the higher you've climbed. I mean, you're on your way into eternity. It's a joyful thing. It's a joyful thing to think about starting early on that upward path. It's a joyful thing to think about completing the earthly segment of that path and then keep going. That's what's in store for you as one who follows God's wisdom, as one who follows Jesus. That's why all throughout the Proverbs, when it talks to fools, sometimes it's mocking the fools. Even though the fools are mocking, they don't realize the joke's on them, right? But, but often Proverbs is reaching out to the fools, which I think could be any of us, maybe all of us, reaching out and saying, you don't have to live a pointless life. You can give up your pride and you can step toward glory. Pride will end in humiliation. You will be brought low if you try to make yourself high. 
But humility brings honor. Humility gives wisdom. Humility allows you to step forward past the grave into much greater things. So I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. You know, we're concluding a whole summer of thinking about Proverbs, and we've gone through lots of, lots of wisdom principles, right? Many things about just about every personal aspect of our lives somehow has been touched by the book of Proverbs. Our relationships, sex life, work life, how we make money, how we think about the future, choices we make, how we deal with difficult people, all of that's in here. But I wanted you to bow your heads and close your eyes because I wanted you to be able to think and focus on this question without being distracted by people around you. And that is simply this. Am I on the path of life that leads upward? The wise path. The things I'm doing, the things I'm thinking about, the things I'm pursuing with whatever balance of earthly life I do have? Am I on the upward path, spiritually, morally, relationally? Am I on the upward path, stepping closer to Jesus each day of my life? When my death day comes, will that be a step up for me? Lord Jesus, you have provided for us a way out of dust to dust. You came, as we sang before, to be the way and the truth and the life that guides us, that carries us. Lord, you literally became the way for us when we had no way. You offered us, you've offered us mercy. You've offered us new life, new birth, a new plan. And all you've asked of us is that we would humble ourselves, put our faith in you, that we would simply recognize the truth about who we are and who you are. And Lord, that relationship, getting that right, is the key to everything that you want for our lives on earth and in eternity. But if we miss that, we'll miss everything. Lord, I pray for every one of my friends in the room right now people that I care deeply about. But Lord, my care for them pales in comparison to your amazing and eternal love for them. Lord, you saw into our hearts, you know each one of us personally, and you still reach out, you still offer us the opportunity despite our failures, our flaws, our sins, even sometimes our outright rebellion against you, you still reach down to us 
and offer us a hand up. Lord, we don't want to miss the purpose of our lives. We know that there's more to this world than riches or beauty or fame or pleasure. There's more to life than making the next 20 years or 40 years or 80 years pleasant. Lord, this is just the beginning of what you want to do with us and for us. So I pray that every one of us in this room together could choose the wise path, the upward path, the humble path. And Lord, we ask for your grace to help us do that. We know that if left to ourselves, to our own devices, we will be led astray. We will walk into foolishness and probably not even know it. But you have given us your wisdom. You've given us your Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us. And Lord, today we, we want that. We want that in our lives. Thank you so much, Lord, that in spite of our sin, you came, you died on the cross to pay our penalty for us, and then you rose again to give us new life and new hope beyond this world, beyond the grave. We look forward to seeing where you'll take us in the future as we follow you. We look forward to living a life marked by wisdom and humility. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. All right. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.